It will arise as once before, in ages past when magic soared. Passing o'er the world shore to shore, the wind, the fury again shall roar. Welcome to the Swan Song Podcast by Eamon Cottrell and Brian Stallings. The Swan Song Podcast is an episodic audiobook for the fantasy novel John Swan Song and the Parada Isle. Episode 4 John and Rat had met Tice the previous summer when Abram and his crew had stopped in Labrie. They loved it when the Jasmine came ashore because it was one of the few ships whose crew they were allowed to visit with. Tice was a collector in addition to being the Jasmine's gunner. He loved weapons, especially those with a story and a unique appearance or makeup, and one of the few relics he'd yet to acquire was something made of genuine heartwood. The Jasmine was made from it, but he couldn't very well remove a piece of her, and he'd never sailed far enough east to obtain heartwood. When John asked him about his and Rat's fascination with smoke dust while sitting in the fish hook, Tice looked around the inn, leaned in close, and said in a gruff whisper, Tell you boys what, you find me a heartwood long staff, and I'll see to it you get your fill of smoke dust. He sat back again, drank a bit of his ale, and belched loudly. John and Rat's eyes grew wide. Really? Ha! Tice grinned. But his eyes were fierce, and his black beard hid most of his mouth, so his expression ended up looking a little crazed, like a man with nothing to lose. Aye, boys. We'll see what you're made of, I reckon. You'll be better men than I if you find me what I seek. With that last vote of confidence, Tice finished his drink and threw two coppers on the table as he rose to leave. John and Rat stared at him as he walked out of the fish hook. They looked around at the heartwood walls on either side of them as Tice must have done many times aboard the Jasmine and they began to think of how much fun they would have with their smoke dust. What seemed like a simple task at first proved to be next to impossible. Rat's obsession with weapons lent itself naturally to the cause, but to actually construct an object worthy of a true gunner was an intimidating prospect. It had taken a great deal of investigation to even decide how to get some heartwood, much less to craft it into tradable items they required. In the end, after scouring the inn for inconspicuous places to pry out a loose board sufficient in size for their purpose, and just before they were about to give up hope, John came up with the idea of taking a piece from the attic. The only problem was, there was no way into the attic. From the inside, at least. They had walked around the building, eyeing its sides and crevices, and John spotted something that they had never noticed before in all their other walks around the fish hook. While the entirety of the structure was quite well constructed, and free from any noticeable defects, he thought he saw something up against the overhanging roof on the back of the building. It was close to dusk, and John had thought his eyes might be playing tricks on him. Do you see that? he asked Rat. Right there on the edge? he pointed. It looks like, well, it almost looks like a place to grip, like a handle or something. Rat squinted his eyes. He was getting frustrated. He was going crazy not being able just to break in and rip out a board from behind the bar somewhere. John wouldn't let him, though, and he knew that in this they couldn't risk arousing suspicions. They had to cover their tracks. As he looked towards the roof, he frowned. Kinda, I guess. But it doesn't make any sense, because there aren't any hinges for it to open. Unless it opens from the inside, offered John. Rat was unconvinced. I don't know, John. I've never seen anybody up there. We need to stop wasting time and just chop out a piece of roofing. John shook his head. I told you, the roof isn't heartwood. Pa said they had to replace it a long time ago when it was ripped off by one of the last great windstorms. That was the last time anybody ever had to use the wind castle. It was apparently a miracle that the whole building didn't get blown down. He said that whoever built the fish hook had driven huge heartwood stakes deep into the earth all around the foundation. Rat sighed to show his boredom with John's story, 
and John looked at his friend with a mixture of frustration and amusement. Rat was always trying to get him to do things that they had both agreed not to. He hated wasting time working out a problem. John helped by reasoning things to him, but even he couldn't always sway Rat from doing something foolish. John smiled, though. Rat's excitement was refreshing. It gave him the courage to do things that he might otherwise back down from. Okay, well what good is it going to do to get in the attic if you really can from up there if it's not even heartwood? Rat thwacked some rasney bushes with the short staff he was carrying, knocking off their purple blooms. The staff was one of many samples he'd carved as he prepared for the day they'd actually get some heartwood to use. He always started hitting things or carving something when he was trying to work out a puzzle. He just couldn't wrap his mind around. John was the thinker, that's for sure. I figure it's our best shot at prying out a board or two that won't immediately be missed. The roof itself and the rafters inside are made from regular silo trees, I'm sure, but I bet there are at least a couple layers of heartwood on the ceiling. If there are, we can take some from the top and maybe no one will ever know. That made enough sense to Rat for him to agree to breaking into the attic if it was possible. He stopped beating the Rasny and focused his attention back on the side of the fishhook. Okay then, let's get your paws ladder and check it out. Rat took off down Merchant's Row and turned up the dirt lane with John close on his heels. When the two boys finally got back to the fishhook, it was getting close to dark, and they crept cautiously up from the overgrown area behind the fishhook so no one would see them out front. By then, everyone that had been working all day was finding their ways either back to home or to here. The fishhook was a popular spot in the evenings, and John and Rat hoped none of the patrons would venture out back for a while. They propped Pa's ladder against the side of the building as John held onto the bottom. Rat climbed up like a squirrel. He got to the top quickly, and he felt along the edge of the overhang, swiping his hand back and forth. Hey, he whispered down. There's a slot, John. I don't feel a handle, though. It's not budging. His smile faded as he pushed and pulled with the tips of his fingers, growing more and more frustrated. Then, as he was about to climb down, he lost his footing and began to tumble. He gripped the wood with all his might and his fingers squeezed for a secure hold. He felt something give in the wood. There was a deep click like a latch falling into place, and a whole piece of the siding began sliding open. Luckily for Rat, he caught his balance in the instant before the secret doorway started opening. Another second might have meant a broken limb or worse. He was pretty high up after all. Whew, he exclaimed, breathing heavily. Come on, John, and don't forget the hammer. Rat said as he climbed into the side of the fishhook. John looked around the corner once more and then made his way up the ladder with his paw's hammer tucked into the waist of his pants. When he crawled in the opening, he was immediately surprised that the attic was not pitch black. It was growing dim outside, after all. He had assumed the attic was as sealed off as it appeared to be and that there would be scant lighting. In fact, he had been prepared to feel his way around in the dark and pry up a piece of wood. Apparently, whoever had built this new addition had been quite the woodsmith. All throughout the floor, there were small openings, not much larger than cracks, that had been carved at a slant so as to allow the light from the room below to come up through the ceiling. John had never noticed anything out of the ordinary from within the fishhook, but he also supposed that he never spent much time studying the ceiling either. Ah, uh, John? Rat was huddled over a large chest on the side. What is this place? It was then that John truly surveyed the contents of the attic for the first time. There were chests, large ones made from oiled silo with inlaid ebony stenciled along the curved top in strange patterns and detailed murals painted over the whole surface. There were depictions of rain, wind, and ships, as well as other strange scenes. On one chest, a battle was taking place between a ship full of what appeared to be pirates and two armies of ghastly-looking creatures that were springing forth from the waves themselves. Both of the creatures looked of human form but were gaunt, and their skin was like crumpled parchment. 
It was difficult to tell which of the three had the upper hand. Wow. John ran his hand over one of the chests. He counted eight spread around the attic. You think old man Baru even knows about this? He's been running the fish hook as long as I can remember, Rat said as he made his way around the rafters, trying the latch on each chest. But this doesn't look like the type of thing he'd have. These are really old, John, and they're probably pretty valuable. Not to mention whatever's inside them. They are treasure chests, after all, and they're too heavy for me to lift. He tried again to raise the side of one off the ground. Besides, I bet with his busted leg, Baru couldn't even climb a ladder. It's hard enough for him to hobble around behind the counter. John watched his friend straining to lift the chest and mold over the situation. It was clear that there would be no easy way to pry off any heartwood from the attic. While Rat had already forgotten the reason they were here in the first place, John had surveyed the floor and found that in order to get the heartwood, at least a piece big enough to whittle a staff from, they would have to dismantle a significant portion of the floor. Rat had retrieved a wood carving knife from his leather belt and was attempting to pick one of the large iron locks when John tilted his head in thought and said, almost to himself, No need, huh? There'd be no need. John got excited as the wheels clicked in his mind, puzzling out a possible answer. Don't you see? You're right, Rat. Baru would never be able to get up here, but he wouldn't have to get up here if he was just storing things for others. He wouldn't even need to know that there were treasure chests up here as long as whoever rented the space paid him. Rat stopped fiddling with the lock. His blade was too large anyway. Rented the space? Yeah, it's perfect. What does Baru care about? I don't know, Rat said. He's always at the hook, so he loves it, and I guess he likes his drinks because he's always talking about getting the best ales and wines when Abram and some of the pirates come through. Right, right. John was getting more excited as Rat was catching on to what he suspected was happening right here on Labrie. And what else? Rat squinted and looked at the roof. Well, he said, before his wife died, they were always together, and he goes to visit her grave a lot. Bingo, said John. And remember when he followed him last summer and watched him dig at her grave? Oh yeah, he planted a gold coin in the ground buyer, and you wouldn't let us keep it. Rat shook his head at the memory. I bet that's not the only time he's done that. I bet that's one of his ways of saying goodbye to her, giving her all the gold and jewelry that he couldn't when she was living. John crossed his arms and waited on Rat's inevitable question. Well, how can he afford to do that? Rat looked disgusted. And why would he? I just told you why. He knows she'd like the gold, and he's apparently got more than he can spend. John tapped the chest in front of him and said, It all makes sense now. You know our docks, we don't get a lot of ships from Dantal or Bental, other than Abram and the occasional boat out to see how far they can sail. But we do have a fair amount of pirates a few times a year that dock for a day or two. I think Baru's getting paid to use this secret little room to stash whatever needs stashing. There's no telling where these chests came from or where they're going. But as heavy as they are, they've got to be full of gold or jewels or weapons. They eyed the chests with awe, wondering how far they had traveled before they arrived here on Labrie. The carvings and inlaid woodwork had to be the handiwork of an expert woodsmith. John had never seen anything like it. The lighter-colored silas seemed to meld together with the ebony pieces. I wonder how much Baru is making on this, Rat said. John, snapping out of his thoughts on pirates, grabbed Rat's arm and grinned. We can try and open these later. The whole reason we came up here was for heartwood, though. And if Baru never gets up here, we don't have to cover our tracks all that well. We can take a whole board off the floor. John pointed at the side. One of those over there would be perfect, I bet. Rat went over and examined the flooring. Yeah, this would be long enough for a nice staff, I'm sure. And I bet we can sneak some tools up here one night when it's real noisy in the hook. 
Wouldn't take us long to wedge it up and pry it out. There's supposed to be music tomorrow night, so let's try it then. John paced back and forth as he imagined what it would take to get out with a ten-foot piece of heartwood flooring without getting caught. As he walked the length of the attic once more, a glimmer of light caught his eye. He turned and looked towards where the light came from. It was way back in the far corner. He crept toward it, and as he got closer he realized there was another chest stuck way in the back. A shaft of light had glinted off its shiny side. He hurried to the back of the attic and knelt beside its new discovery. It was clearly different from the rest of the chest throughout the attic. It was a lot smaller than the others, and made of metal instead of wood. But more interesting to John were the carvings. All the other chests had depictions of battle carved around inlaid woodwork. This small chest was absolutely littered with intricately designed spiral carvings. They circled out from many different points all over the chest and flowered like waves around the corners. Now that is awesome! Rat had come to look over John's shoulder. He tried to lift this chest, but it was just as secure as the others. Must be bolted down. It doesn't even budge. Hmm... John took another hard look at the spiral spiderwebs in the metal and then decided to focus on the task at hand. Let's get out of here. We'll try and pick the lock when we come for the heartwood. When they came back, they were able to pry up a ten-foot piece of heartwood just as they planned, but the locks on the chest wouldn't give. They snuck up as often as they could for the rest of the year and continued to try to open those treasures to no avail. John always tried the small chest in the back first. It held a certain intrigue for him. They both knew that the larger one surely had a ton of priceless artifacts and precious stones, but John couldn't get his mind off the suspicion that the chest in the back of the attic contained something special. John knew in his gut that there was either something great or something terrible within that chest. He knew it with the certainty that a fisherman feels when he casts his line in just the right pool of water, and feeling the first tug on his rod is justified to his innermost self. Unlocking that chest would unlock more than the treasures it contained, and it was only one short year later he would find out how right he had been.